the wayward wind is a restless wind. we have a new opening song right now um we're so excited there's a local gal local to us in our city who wrote this song and we're gonna give her a minute to just tell us about how she wrote this this song is dedicated to my dad who passed away in december of covid since he passed i've been playing a lot of songs that remind me of times that we spent together, which we loved listening to Patsy Klein together. My dad played guitar and he taught me how to play guitar. And so I played this song, The Wayward Wind. This song is so extra special because as I was recording it, at the end, a gust of wind came and shut my screen door. And I like to imagine that was my dad. Wow. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing that with us and for letting us use your beautiful song on our podcast. Now we are going to get connected with our next guest, who is, wow, what a woman. Dolores is amazing. She's a fighter. She's beautiful inside and out. She has helped me on my journey. I know she's helped so many other women on their journeys, and we are so honored to have her today. This woman is a fucking survivor. It deserves a fucking in there. Sorry. Uh, she is, um, she's been through so much, and, and she's now an advocate for um, victims of domestic abuse, and she's amazing at it. She's also an amazing mother. Uh, and I'll just introduce Dolores. Hi, Dolores. Hello. Thank you for being here today. I was, I was scared you would say no, just because I know your story is so intense, but you're like, girl, 
I don't mind. I was like, oh, okay. I don't <laughs> mind. No, thank it's an honor that you guys asked me. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're so, so beautiful happy. too, Delora. <laughs> so, oh, so thank you. <laughs> that's a given, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Inside and out. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful. So I was just going to kind of start into the questions. Um, and one of the questions that I had in mind was, so I know your parents, you grew up in a really a healthy home and mm -hmm. they're great. And so the reason I bring that up is because there's this assumption that um, people who get, who get into, I'm doing quote fingers, mm -hmm. into abusive relationships is because they've experienced abuse in their home, which is not true. How did you meet your ex-husband? Um, so it's, it's a funny story. My One of my good friends was dating a friend of his. And so we were young. I was only 15 when I met him. So I had gone with her to the movies to meet her boyfriend. And like she took me along and her boyfriend took him along. And that's how we met. Okay. And so what did it look like in the beginning when you met, like when you started kind of getting that connection and like, did you go on dates or did he like move in a week later? Like I did with men, like what did that look like? <laughs> okay. Well, I was a little jerk. Again, I was only 15. So I was just, um, <laughs> very much like I knew everything that, you know, the right age of 15. Um, <laughs> and, and I will tell you, it was just like, um, I mean, I was young, but I had, you know, guys that I had crushes on, like the little middle school boyfriends, you know, but nothing ever like serious, nothing that like swept me off my feet, which is kind of what he did. Um, so we met at the movies. We started talking after that. Um, we probably were like talking for about a month. Uh, we had gone on a couple dates. Um, and I want to say after about a month is when he asked me to like be his girlfriend, but it was like, when he asked me, it was like a big show. He showed up at my house with like a dozen roses and, you know, all of the things that quote unquote, like every girl wants. And at 15, I just, I thought that's what it was supposed to look like. Oh yeah. I would have gone nuts for that shit. Yeah. yeah I, t I totally did. <laughs> yeah. That's really, yeah. And so I know you were, you were really young and I forget that 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to just, kind of let us know how it progressed as far as um, when you really started noticing the abuse um, and from there on. So I think something that I, I will say for me at least played a big factor was like he was my first. So mm -hmm. um, I was always like, no, I'm going to wait till I'm older and, you know, till I'm in love and all of this other stuff. And no, of course that didn't happen. Um, I was 15 when I lost my virginity to him. And it was just like, I couldn't see past that either. It was like, I was just, this is it. This is who I'm going to marry. This is who I'm going to be with. And then on like dealing with my own emotions, you know, and not being mature enough to understand my own emotions. Um, he also was very like possessive and obsessive from the very beginning. Mm. So it was like, once that had happened, as far as I know, I could be totally wrong. I was like his first two. So there was also that like, you're mine, you're nobody else's, you know. Um, and I will tell you that part of, of his behavior 
showed up very early on and progressed very quickly. Hmm. Um, maybe you didn't know better either if he was your first person. It was like, oh, maybe this is how exactly. the relationships are supposed to be. Exactly. Oh, I can tell you later on in life, I was like, man, they come in different sizes. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. But no, I, I had no clue at that time. Like I said, it was just like, he was all I saw. He was all I saw. Wow. Which was unhealthy on my part, but like I wasn't. You're 15. I was 15. And mm -hmm. he in turn was like kind of the same way, but on a whole other level. Like I said, it was very obsessive. It was very possessive. It was, um, oh, like right no, away. But um, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, uh, no, go for it. Okay. So thank you. I know that it always gets worse. Typically, I'll say it gets worse over time. Um, and I was just curious. So when you really started seeing him escalate uh, with the physical piece and the, the psychological abuse and all of that came together, was that when you got pregnant or got married? Because I see that happen a lot. There's, you know what I mean? Like they move in together, they get married, get pregnant, and the, the relationship just shifts. So I can tell you, he started little by little. It was like, oh, I don't want you hanging out with that friend or I don't like that friend mm -hmm. or my, and we went to separate high schools, like on the other side of town for each other, from each other. And he would show up at my high school, like in the afternoons, like just to make sure that I wasn't with people he didn't want me with. And it was always like, oh, because, you know, so-and-so doesn't see you the way I do. Um, if you have friends that are guys, it's only because they want you for this, not because they're just your friend. Like you can't have, you can't have just friends that are guys. Like that's not a thing, you know? Um, and, and what does that like, say about guys? And for you, it's like, I have control over myself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the other thing was, it was just like, um, but the way he framed it was like, but it's cause I'm just trying to protect you and mm -hmm. I love you. And this is how, you know. This is what I can do to make sure that you're okay. And so, like I said, I was a kid. I didn't know any better. And I was just like, oh, my God, he loved me. They're protecting um, you from other men. Yes, yep. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Heard that so, Yep. Yep. It's it's so common. And <laughs> I just, that, that was kind of how that progressed. Um, he got, I will, I will say it got pretty unhealthy in regards to that. It was just like he called, I was on the phone with him constantly. Um, that was before cell phones were a thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I dragged the, either the cordless phone or the one with the cord up through my house just to get privacy and to be on the phone with him. Um, he'd be at work and he would still call me just to make sure I was home, that I wasn't out anywhere else. How old were you at this time? 15, still 15. So you moved in together at 15. Um, yeah, and that's a whole other story. We can go off on a whole other tangent on that one. But, um, I, but I can tell you, my dad actually intervened and was like, I don't want you seeing him anymore. He's not good for you. Like, there's just a lot of unhealthy things going on. Um, I had, like, I was, I was a pretty good student, but I had like started ditching school just to see him because my dad didn't want me seeing him. Um, and then there was just things that he started doing that I never said. I, I mean, at the time, I would never frame it as like physical abuse, but like would grab me by my arm or like would push me or like hold me so that I wouldn't like walk away from him. Um, 
And like, and at that time, yeah, we were 15. He was the same age as I was. So that part progressed pretty quickly. And then, and then I got pregnant, like right around the time that I turned 16. And that just kind of sealed the deal at that time. Yeah. It's interesting too, because, you know, you say it was unhealthy, it was unhealthy, but I mean, as a teen, I, I was obsessed with a boy, you know, like if I was obsessed with a boy, it was probably unhealthy. And we learned that somewhere, right. Whether it's through like media or romantic, you know, movies, but also like, I, I don't know how true this is, but maybe you both might know something about this, but I heard, um, when you're, when you're first, uh, someone that you're with at a very young age, it's a more intense connection because of the makeup of the cream. Have you heard that? Okay. I'm like, yes. And I, I just like 100% believe it, even if I hadn't, but yes. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you two are living together. You're 16. You're pregnant. Um, so did you find yourself becoming isolated? Oh yeah. I didn't see my parents throughout my whole pregnancy. Whoa. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So part of the story, maybe another time I could be a guest and we can talk about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> no, you, you um, <laughs> yeah. I will say I quote unquote ran away with him at 15 because my parents had like forbidden, especially my dad had like forbidden me to see him. Um, at the time, like he, like all the tactics that are like red flags and that you hear and that are so like textbook. He was threatening suicide. He was, you know, I can't live without you. And I might do, we were like really, really young. And these are the things that were coming at me, you know. This is when you tried to leave him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so was he going through like different tactics that time? Like, I need you. I love you to like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I was wondering about that piece. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that was also on my conscience or on my mind and on my heart and so it was like just just leave with me just leave with me and so we ran away like I said we'll say quote unquote for that right now um and I was gone throughout my pregnancy so I didn't see anybody friends I had like I got you know dropped from the high school that I was in because I hadn't been there I didn't see my family I lost all of my friends. I had nobody but him and his mom. Wow. Yeah. And it started getting pretty intense as far as the physicality, right? Mm-hmm. So he was physical with me, even when I was pregnant with our oldest daughter. Um, but he would never hit me. So for me, it was like, I, I had very much had that mentality too, that as long as he's not hitting me, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily abusing me, you know? Um, but he would grab me, he would throw me around. Um, he pushed me, but it wasn't, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The first time he actually like hit me, we had already been together. I want to say like almost 10 years, maybe eight years, something like that. Wow. It was a, was the first time he actually hit me. He had been physically abusive, but I never attributed it to that until we had been together for about eight years. And I was actually, I had just found out, or maybe I hadn't even found out that I was pregnant with our third daughter. So just side note, we have four daughters together. Wow. And now, now, yeah, now raging in ages from 24 down to 12. (laughs) 
Wow. I really just want to say too, I also had my first son at 16 and I know how challenging that in and of itself is because our friends are going to the prom and like talking about who they're dating. And we're like, how the hell am I going to buy diapers? And like not old enough to take a library card out, you know, like (laughs) it's like, there's so, I (laughs) I remember like, going and getting my driver's license when I was eight months pregnant and like, yeah. And, and, and so I cannot even imagine like, like I had a dysfunctional relationship with my oldest son's dad, but it was not abusive. It was just, yeah. we were just young and stupid and immature. And um, so I cannot imagine the added stress of physical altercations yeah. at which point then you now think this is totally how relationships are. How long were you guys together total? 14 years. And then we separated and we were still together. Uh, well, we were still married for another year before my divorce was finalized. Wow. But like, so a total of, I was 15 when we met. Um, I was 30 when our divorce was finalized. Wow. Okay. So when you did things escalate like or did you experience with him like obviously like that's not all bad times in that 15 years right. and I know like we've right. chatted before about like that cycle like what yeah like so did it so if he started off kind of that way when you guys were teenagers like was right. it just it, it uh, did it just es- keep escalating and it just that cycle just kept going around and around or what was his cycle like was it like because I think something that always in, I, I always think about is like like the cycle doesn't necessarily have to be like you know every two weeks he's a jerk or whatever you know it's like so like did you have periods where you were like, oh, thank God, like things are going good right now. We'll we'll work it out. And then it like, can you speak a little about that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that is something also that I tell like women that I work with is the cycle. There's not like a certain time frame. You know what? I can say at one time, we probably had a good run for a couple of years where yeah. things were good. It was like, he had gotten a promotion at work. I was at the U of A going, or I, I was mm. in school. I was in college. Um, we had bought a house. Like everything seemed to be going good for like, we had like times, like I said, where it was like, that was probably our longest stretch was probably about maybe about a year and a half, wow. almost two years. But I mean, there was times where it would be good for like a couple of months and then it would get bad yeah. and then it would get really bad or, you know, or we talk about like, you know, um, the tension building, like that could go on for weeks before there was like an explosion, you know, or whatever that big fight was at the yeah. end. Um, but to say that there was like a given time for like how long everything lasted, it it would range. There'd be d- times where like in a day I would go through that cycle. Yeah. Or there'd be times where, like I said, like the honeymoon phase was like a whole, you know, couple years or a few months or even a couple weeks. It would just it would just depend, and that was I think the unpredictability of it was hard too. There was Especially like with- two years, yeah, of like yeah. being good. That that would be so confusing. Mm-hmm. And then did it just well? He just start right. Up. Go ahead, sorry. No, and I can tell you actually what started that is um, my third daughter at the time was three months old, and and during that, like I said, I was pregnant with her actually when he started becoming where he would hit me. Mm-hmm. 
so um like throughout my pregnancy with her i was constantly like bruised and hurt and sore and everything um when she was about three months old um we had gotten into an argument and he had pushed me and i fell and when i fell he kicked me in the mouth and it busted my lip open and i had he went and dropped me off at emergency but i was like bleeding all over the floor and i was just like yelling at him to get away from me like i hate you don't touch me and when i looked in the mirror and i saw my lip i was like this is not something that's going to heal on its own right right and i'm like you have to take me to the hospital and so he went and dropped me off at the hospital and it took 16 stitches to put my oh my gosh and so I think at that time, I'll just say, like, I think it scared him because I, yeah, I, I didn't call the police. I didn't do anything. I didn't make any kind of report. Um, I'm sure the nurses, I remember the nurse making a comment to me because I told her I had fallen. Yeah. And she was like, mm, yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, wow. Um, and I think after that, it scared him a little bit from, like, getting physical. We still argued. I mean, it was... It, it was as good as it could be. It was probably yeah. better than it had been in a long time. But he Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, go Sorry, for it. When the nurse said that to you, how, how did that make you feel? I was so ashamed. Like, I was already completely humiliated from having to even be there. But then to hear that, important. I was just like, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it sounds like I, you maybe felt like that where that victim blaming piece shows up, which is the reason I bring that yeah. up is just to really point out the lack of awareness and education. Yeah. There and how it harms people because it harmed you yeah, yeah absolutely sorry to interrupt but i wanted to touch no, on that that's thing. okay no 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 and so, so you were saying so that kind of started the good spell for like the two wow. years what when when yeah. he like when that happened did it cross your mind at all to like call the cops or did you or report him or did you what did it scare you and you kind of thought you know like what what was went through your thought process with that my thought process was like i uh, yes that was i will say that was the first time that i even considered calling the police yeah because i don't think it had even crossed my mind before that um the reason i didn't is because he had my girls with him oh and and he had them in the car with him when he dropped me off so my concern was like what happens to my girls if i call the police and something happens and i have at that time they were like eight four and three months you know Wow. And I was like, what happens to my girls? And I, so I didn't. And I will tell you what my intention was like, okay, tomorrow he goes to work. Like, I'm out. I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But he decided to call into work the next day to take care of me. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow. So when you, how were you able to finally say, you know, I, ho I hope I'm not skipping too far ahead, but I'm just curious how, when, when you were like, I got to leave, I have to plan how to leave. Uh, did you try to leave more than once? Like, what did that all look like? If you don't mind sharing, if you're comfortable. No, that's fine. So I can tell you, I left him once before the time that I left him for good. Um, that time when I left, um it was very much a matter of life and death um he had tortured me and beat me for like a weekend 
and kept me like locked up in the house for like four days. Um, Had his mom keep my girls. At the time, I only had the three older ones. Um, Had his mom keep the girls for the weekend and I wasn't like, I couldn't leave the house and he stayed there with me. And like, like I said, by the time that my girls came home that following Monday, um, I was beaten so bad they didn't recognize me. Oh my gosh. He had cut off my hair. He had shaved off my eyebrows. He had, my face was probably swollen like three times its size. Both of my eyes were black. Um, all of the blood vessels inside my eyes were busted. Um, yeah, my my do- my own daughters didn't recognize me is how bad it was. So then for after that had happened for about a month, like I wasn't allowed to leave the house. I wasn't allowed to answer the phone. What provoked, like why did, why, like what did he do that for just like, that's like, I, like uh, that's. I, I, sorry, I interrupted. So, oh, yeah. Ahead. What was his justification? Yeah, for that's the right choice? way to put it. Thank you. I'm like, what, what, mm-hmm. in his mind, yeah. what justified okay. treating you like a that. prisoner of war? Like, okay, yeah. So, backstory is that on top of him being like abusive for all these years, and, and I will tell you, around that time, the physical abuse had started escalating, and I found out he was cheating with oh. multiple people. Okay. So, it was like because he was doing wrong. I would get it taken out on me even more every time, like I confronted him or anything like that. Right. I had text messages from another person that was a male and he saw them on my phone, which justified his actions and beating me to that point. And it was like, I told you, if you you ever cheated on me, I'll kill you. I'm like, oh, but it's okay for you to do it. But I, okay, okay. It's like he was punishing you for how much he, like, hates himself. Like, that is – and it's like to cut your hair and shave your eyebrows and physically beat you up, it's like – I am speechless (laughs) and just want to hug you right now. That I'm so sorry you experienced that and, like, what a fucking queen you are for, like – Yeah. Fucking A, man. What did your daughters think about that? Like, I mean, obviously, do they have a relationship with him? Or are they like, look what you did to our mom? It's hard to say. Um, My oldest daughter has more of a relationship than my other girls do. But I think it's more out of fear. And she would just rather not have to deal with him. Um, My other girls, though, have gotten where they're just like... You're a piece of shit. Like, you've never done anything for us. My mom's the one who's raised us. You don't do anything for us. Um, wow. So, yeah. But, I, well, one of the things Which is I interesting because you, you're such an amazing mom that you had them come to those conclusions on their own. You didn't feed yeah. them any information. You didn't talk no. bad about him. Right. Which I think is, like, the ultimate strength, right? Like, okay, I'm going to step back. Yeah. And, and I will tell you what. They know that I hate him. But I never tried to put that hate on them, but especially your relationship with your dad, you know, yeah. he's not my father. And I think that was something that like my oldest daughter and I had talked and she's like, you know, mom, you divorced him and you were able to leave him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's still our dad, regardless of what he is. And so yeah. it, it's, it's a different. And I mean, when she told me, I remember one time she told me, she's like, you don't know what it's like to have your parents divorced. You don't know, you know, my parents have been married for 40 some odd years and they're happily married, you know, and 
And you know what? And it was like things like that that she said to me. I was just like, you know what? You're right. I, I don't know what that's like. That's interesting. And for any listeners out there, maybe going through something similar with kids. I, I know my sons had both with my first husband who was physically abusive. My second husband, not, and that's not their dad, but the, my first husband, mm-hmm. they've both had to go through some therapy and some processing and, and, and they both have made it clear to me, mom, you don't understand this is dad. You can find a new husband. You can find a new partner. We can't find a new dad. We want to try to figure yeah. things. And I, and I totally agree with you. It's like, okay, <laughs> like that's not our relationship to figure out. Yep. I had to leave him for me, but I also had to leave him for them. And yeah, to show I, them what you, what kind of a man they don't want mm-hmm. in their life. And, exactly. to, and to show them how strong and independent and just badass a woman can be. And look at you. Yeah. You are like just. I wish our listeners could see you because you're just so polished and beautiful and your like hair is beautiful and your earrings. And I was like, it's like, it's like, you don't, you like, they probably, they have such a wonderful role model in you. And I mean that with all my heart. I mean, you and I have spoken before this podcast and you're an angel in my life and I know in many other women's lives. So listeners mm-hmm. who don't know, as we mentioned briefly at the beginning of this podcast, Dolores is an advocate for other women going through this. So you're just a really, truly beautiful spirit. And it just Thank is you. unbelievable to me. Like you must have been so scared going through what you went through. Like I just can't even imagine like like having somebody treat you that way. So that was the first time you left your husband after that incident. So after that incident, and I, I guess like a couple of things. So like, I mean, let's see. I've been away from him for going on 12 years. Yeah. And I, I still have physical reminders of that incident. Wow. Like there's still scars on my body. One thing I failed to mention too is that like he, like I said, because of what the situation was, that was why he cut off my hair. That's why he shaved my eyebrows because he was going to make it. So I wasn't attractive to anybody else. Oh my God. And then branded his name on me. So that way, if I was ever with anyone else, they would know who I was. And he to. was the one cheating on you. Yeah. Unreal. I, I mean, this is it. somebody who should be in prison. Yeah. Like that is sick. Probation. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I'm wondering too, because like, since you've gone through all of this and now you're an advocate, first of all, I would imagine that you probably have PTSD from what you've gone through and, you know, however, different people manage it differently, you know, some holistic mm-hmm. avenues, some medication. Um, am I right in, in assuming that or guessing that? Oh yeah. I'm sure I have a whole lot more than that, but yeah, that's to put it lightly. <laughs> Yeah. What do you mean by that? That you have a whole lot more than that? Um, I th- because I think even after leaving him, like you expect that everything's just going to be great once yeah. you leave this horrible person mm-hmm. in your life. And and don't get me wrong, I was very happy that the relationship was over and that I was taking steps that I needed to, you know, filing for divorce, getting my children safe, mm-hmm. making sure I was safe. But like. There's just so much that's taken from you and over like, especially over that amount of time that I mean to say that I was like truly happy after the fact I wasn't because I didn't even know myself. 
Wow, that's so mind blowing that you said that. And I just want to reiterate that that helps me like that. I yes, because I think myself included, so many of us think, okay, I'll leave. And that's the key. That's the answer. That's like, that's just Mm -hmm. step one. (laughs) It's like, it really is. And, and it, I will tell you, it's taken me. Okay. So one thing with me, I will say is like the PTSD or the trauma and depression and anxiety. And I mean, I have dealt with all of that. Um, And it was like, my coping mechanism was just like, putting all of my time and effort into my kids mm-hmm. and, and being super mom. And it was like, I never said no to anybody. I was at everything I had to just like pour all of my focus into them. And, and it might've been my own guilt as well, mm-hmm. just for having them been in the position that they were in. But it was like that, that took all of my attention, all of my energy. Um, that was like the only thing that I thought that I was good at. So that's just that's where all of my time and energy went which kind of didn't help in a sense because then I didn't know myself outside of being mom either right it's only been in like the last few years that I'm like oh you mean I'm a person besides being a wife or a mom or you know whatever working and just to even figure out who I am just like a shout out but like I think like moms anyways who have a supportive husband who like takes care of them and works and they can be like they're stressed out and they don't know who they are and 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 throw in abuse and and healing from that on top of it it's like yeah unreal well Dolores loves Wonder Woman and I think it's because you are <laughs> she is Wonder Woman I know <laughs> that's my thing (laughs) no it's true and I think too it's like you know when you said it might have been your mom guilt I know that my mom did that to me because I can only relate Mm -hmm. from the child's perspective um right but yeah so I I just thought I'd say that um that that's a real thing the guilt like let me make it up to you yeah so now are you now kind of realizing that you have your role isn't just a mom that there are there's more to you now is yeah curious what that looks like yes I'm like aren't you 18 yet (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny but you know well especially now that they're like my youngest is 12 so it's like I don't have to be mom all the time you know she can dress herself they can cook for themselves they can yeah you know all of these things that Right. But I can tell you that like if I wasn't doing those things, I used to feel guilty. But yeah, I I I I will tell you, I think it's like a lifelong process is figuring out who you are. But I'm I'm learning every day and I, I'm learning to love myself, which I don't think I I don't think I ever really did. That time that your husband did the really horrible weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the final time that you left him? So how can you, if you don't mind sharing, how did he on earth, did he talk you into going back after that? Not, and I don't mean how on earth rude. I mean, like, no, I get it because it's like, they are good at their words. There's probably a lot of tactics in there that other listeners might want to hear. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I can tell you. So, um, after that incident, he kept me, like I said, I wasn't a able to leave the house for probably like over a month. 
And it just so happened that my mom had come over and taken the girls like on an outing. And um, I remember her coming back and she was like, you and I need to talk. And I said, yeah, I know. But like, I can't right now, like he's home, you know, like I can't talk about anything right now. Cause I mean, were you just terrified of him at that time? I was, I was terrified. And um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if it was like divine intervention. I don't know what it was, but he left and he would never leave me alone with anyone in my family hmm. after an incident. So for whatever reason, he decided to leave that day and my mom was still there. Wow. And I finally sat with her and I was like, um, she's like, I don't know what's going on, but I know it's bad. And I was like, you know what? Mind you, this is probably the first time that I had ever shared anything with my mom or like in, in, in detail. And I said, mom, I am going to tell you everything. And I just need you to sit and listen to me. Don't tell me to leave. Don't tell me what I need to do. Like, I just need you to hear me out. And I just kind of like word vomit told her everything that had happened. And she just sat there with tears running down her cheeks and her jaw just wide open. And I remember her telling me, she's like, I just, I can't leave you. I can't leave you here. And I'm like, you don't understand mom. And she's like, what, what is he telling you? Like, is he, I said, he's told me like, if I leave him, he will kill me. And I remember she told me, she's like, I feel like that's not it. Has he ever threatened the girls? And I said, no, she's like, has he threatened us? And I said, yeah, he's told me that like, and anyone that stood in his way, like if I did leave, whether it was you, whether it was my dad, my sister, at the time, my nephew was like three. Um, he had like threatened to kill my whole family, like if I ever left. And it was like, I just, even though I couldn't see my family the way I wanted to, my family was everything to me. And I just, I, I couldn't. And I remember my mom, and it's so funny, because if you talk to my mom, she's like, you don't ever listen to me. Or like, you know, I feel like you're the one, you're one of the parents sometimes. But the words that she told me that day, she told me, she goes, you know what? For once in your life, let me be your mom. Wow. You, you, you've been mom since you were 16. God, that makes me want to cry. Yeah. And she said, let me be your mom. And I remember I just like fell apart and I was like, okay, okay. So we left. Um, and we went to my aunt's house that he didn't know where she lived. Um, that was the first time that was the first time I ever called the police. And actually I don't even, I didn't even do it. My mom did. Um, I went and got an order of protection. The police showed up. The officer sat with me for, I will say, I'm not like the hugest fan, <laughs> but that officer that night was amazing and sat with me probably for two hours just to hear my story. Um, they had a detective come out and talk to me. They took pictures of all my, all the, you know, cuts and bruises and everything else that I had. Um, he showed up at my parents house that night because I wasn't there and he was looking for me and he was arrested on the spot wow um he was kept in jail for a week and then wow. they let him out because um just a week because you know why because um, my wounds were old and he told him that I had done it to myself and so it was a he said she said oh my god and I'm like of course of course they were old I wasn't allowed to leave my house for like a month but if I still look like this a month later and um so you were living yeah. in a different state you weren't mm -hmm. in your home, home state you came back home no 
Yes. Wow. And at the time it was like he got supervised visits. Um, he got a couple of phone calls a week. Like everything was going great. But then he ended up getting my phone number. Mm. And and I can tell you what, and I and this is something that I do tell um people that I work with because I think there was a lot of shame around still caring or loving the person who's abusing you. And I will tell you what, I knew that he was going to kill me, but it didn't mean I didn't love him. Yeah. Wow. And I, I had to leave because I had to for my life, but not because I was done with him. Can we just take a moment and just acknowledge that statement too? Because I think that's so true that like, our love is not like a light switch. And that's something Michelle's really helped me accept even for myself. Like they might be able to turn things off and on, but your love is not like a light switch and you're still going to have emotions, which makes the hoovering or them coming back for you so effective. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to say that. No, no, no. I was able to do things at the pace that I needed to. Um, where I think because the first time was just, there was so much fear, not just from me, like with my family, with everything, like we just need to like file for divorce, file for custody, get the hell out of town. You know, we had to like do all these things. And at the time that was what we had to do for my safety. And I, I completely understand that. Mm. But the second time when I left him for good, it was like, I did things the way that I needed to do them for me. But was there, like, things he was saying to you still? Like, what was his excuses? I mean, what were some common things you heard? Was he saying, like, you know, I I don't know. Like, what possibly was he saying to, like, sorry, right. I I didn't know what I was mm-hmm. doing? Or mm-hmm. um, I will tell you the one thing I think that was, like, when we started talking again before I went back to him, um, after, you know, after I had left town and stuff, was, like, you know, I've never been at rock bottom. You've had me put in jail, like all of these things, like I'm blaming you. you. Well, or blaming me or almost like, I want to say like, almost like hyping me up. Mm. Like I won't cross you anymore. Cause I know what you're, what you're capable of doing. And then also just that, like, I still love you. Like I've never been without you. Like, uh, you know, and all the things that I wanted to hear, because like I said, yeah. it didn't mean I didn't love him. And it was just like, I, I didn't, and, and this is something that I do stress to the people that I work with. It's like, we hold on to the hope. Yeah. It's not like we want the relationship to end. We just hope that that person will change. And I will tell you, but I will tell you this, and that for you, for listeners, for everybody, you can't love them enough to make them change. Yeah. And I think that that was like, that was a harsh reality for me is there was nothing that I was going to do that I was going to love him enough, that he was going to look at me different and that he was going to change and be this wonderful person. It was never going to be because he was never going to be accountable for the things that he had done. Yeah. I love that you shared that because, because it wasn't you. Yeah. It wasn't your fault. And then it wasn't your fault. So I wanted to ask this question and I, is there, what do you, so if you could tell the listeners or people who need educated or, um, like when people say one thing I think that I, I really think people need to know about is, um, why we stay, mm-hmm. but I'm curious, what would you say that you think is, you don't see enough as far as education and whatnot. And like, what do you, what would you say to other people that are listening to this for the first time? 
I'm going to say, oh, there's, there's so much, but one thing no, I'm going to say. We need to have a Dolores part two. I'm literally going to mark this one as Dolores part one. <laughs> so just because there's so much here. So. Um, I think the biggest thing, and I will tell you, because even back when I was 15, the one thing is to trust your gut. And when you are in an abusive relationship, you're told repeatedly not to trust yourself and that that other person knows better. But I can tell you, even back as young as I was, as, as infatuated with him as I was, as all of those things in my gut, I knew that there was things that were not right. Because I can tell you, like, even when my dad was like, I don't want you seeing him anymore, as much as I, like, loved him, I was relieved when I wasn't allowed to see him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there was like something deep I, in I you. That, yes. And so it, I think the hardest thing, I think we, first of all, like, and I think just as people, not even adding the layer of abuse and all of that, mm-hmm. like, I think we're like our biggest critics. And this is just my own opinion. Like, I think we're our biggest critics. And I think that we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust that we know what's best for ourselves. Yeah. And, and if you just listen to that, like, gut feeling or that little voice down deep inside of you, mm. it's just, like, to trust that. And wow. I will tell you, because had I, had I done that at 15, who knows, maybe I'd be in a different position. But I, I will say, like, there was throughout everything, throughout the whole time I was with him, other things that I've done since him, you know, if I would just, like, trust my gut and trust myself, Yeah. You know, I, I, agree. Think I think that's, that's my best, like, strongest, strongest, strongest tool one can use. I agree. One can have. And I'm so glad you said that. I was also curious, like, what about people that aren't going through it and aren't educated? Like what really sticks out for you as far as what you would tell somebody that is a victim blaming person and all of that? Well, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't. Just don't even open your mouth. <laughs> okay. And this is the thing is that I just feel like there's so, so many like stigmas or stereotypes about yes. like what it looks like. Okay. I look like I'm all put together and I used to look like this the whole time I was married. Yeah. Wow. Pe- people thought we were like the perfect couple. We had the perfect family. We, all of my girls were always dressed to a T with their hair combed, not a hair out of place. Everything looked perfect. That doesn't matter my ex-husband had a really good job we drove a nice car i always had brand name purses i had versace sunglasses i had you know i i always looked like that but it's not about that it's Mm -hmm. not blue collar it's not this it's not that you know um there i there's no way that it looks and so i think that's what bothers me most is when i hear people like victim blaming or like, mm-hmm. well, why don't you just leave? Or why don't, if, if you've never been there, you can't say. And I, and I will tell you what, even if someone has experienced it, you still don't have the right to tell somebody else what they need to do because that person's experience is completely different from the person who's experiencing it over here. Mm-hmm. Everybody's story is different. Everybody's experience is different. And how every, how, that individual person survives their experience is their survival. And unless you're that person, you don't know. You don't, even if you've had a similar experience, whatever, like I can speak to like red flags and I can speak to this. And like, there are some things that are very general, 
but everybody's situation is different. Yeah. You can't pick an abuser out of a crowd and you can't pick a victim out of no. a crowd. No. I love that you, I love that's the message that you wanted to send because man, that is so, so powerful. Sorry, I was going to say it. I say it all the time. Why am I caring now? Anyway, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, it just goes back to because you managed to look that, you know, have it all together, do your yeah. makeup every day, do your hair, you know, take well, care of your kids. It's, uh, and I think so too, do you ever think Dolores, like, I think back to my first marriage in a similar manner. And I think there was something inside of us as women and as moms that and wives, like we wanted that. So we, you know, you put that nice face forward and you show up to church and you do your hair and you do the kids outfits and you have your house clean and you're like, and you have the high because yeah. that's what we want. And it's like, maybe if I act the part enough, it will happen. And and of course, you don't want anybody to know because there's a shame. So a victim yeah. blaming people can f off because there's a shame that they will not understand. Even when people just say things like, "Why are you still talking to him?" or "Oh my God, why did you go back?" It's like, oh my gosh, no. There's so much more, and it's not just whatever you see at face value. There's always so much more, and and just like that, I I think like it's almost like. What is that saying? Like you dress for the job that you want. Not the job that you have. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and 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 I will tell you what. Um, we were pretty well known in our community. We were youth group directors. Yeah, we were super involved in the church. Like I said, we. If you looked from the outside, it looked great. It looked I mean, great. on paper, like I said, I I was I was a trophy wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was a little chubby, but I was trophy wife. I had the beautiful girls. Like I said, everything yeah. looked like. We were the we were the couple that everyone wanted to be like. Yeah. So so they thought, but like I said, but what went on behind closed doors, and it was always my responsibility to make sure that that's the way we showed up. I'm so amazed and proud of you for getting out of that. And like, I don't think <laughs> anyone, unless they've been through it, cannot understand how fucking heart wrenching it is to like. <laughs> lose your family and like that's why I think it's so powerful when you said like that's why I asked you like how on like when you went how did you go back to him because you still loved him yeah. like it's such there's so many layers it's not as simple as oh I can remember people saying things like oh if anyone ever hit me I would just leave and you're like okay until it happens to you until it happens yeah. to you or if anyone, you know, or then you have the mental stuff that goes along with it or anyone who's listening. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to always say this to anyone who's listening to this podcast who maybe is experiencing uh, abuse in a, an emotional or mental way and there is no physical like it is just as bad and wicked and heart wrenching and 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 it's like there's not just one way that abuse shows up and it's all it's all wrong all of it i i agree with you 100 because i'll tell you what i hear so many people that i work with they're like i know i don't have it as bad as someone else like if it's mental or if it's emotional and I, and i'll tell you what my scars and my bruises and my cuts and everything i might have scars but they don't hurt yeah you know um the stuff that he did to me mentally and emotionally, 
is the stuff that has taken me a hell of a long time to heal. And I probably still have healing to do, you know, the physical, when I get, I mean, I, I think I've come to a point where I don't cry when I talk about this stuff, you know, but when I do get choked up, it's not about what he did to me physically. Mm-hmm. It's about the stuff that he did that degraded me. Yeah. That made me feel like I was less than a person. You know, the things that he would tell me about whatever, you know, like the mental, the verbal, the emotion, like those are the things that are harder to heal. At least and and wow. that's just my perspective, but that's how I feel. Like and I and I've had both. So obviously you guys still have kids together. So like how are you able to deal with him now? Do you just kind of, you just don't talk to him? Like you just like, what does that look like? Um, it has absolutely gotten a lot easier now that my girls are older. Um, but okay. So side note, he has a girlfriend and he has other children. So his, like his oldest child with his current partner and my youngest child are seven months apart. Oh, so, do the math there. Do, do the math there. Yeah. So, oh man, you know, um, he did try to fight me, and he still tried to have like a lot of control as far as mm-hmm. my girls are concerned. And there was, don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of ups and downs over the years. Um, but he was also trying to focus on maintaining this other relationship and his other family. So, it's funny because. I think we talk about as moms, you know, my biggest mm-hmm. insecurity is being a mom. Like I, I have to be good, you know? And that was like his favorite thing to throw at me is like, what a shitty mother I was, you know? And I'm like, you're vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I'll tell you what, if he really thought I was a shitty mother, he would have fought me for custody. Yeah. And he hasn't, you know? Yeah. He just knows what, he knows how to pull at my heart. Wow. Yeah. He knows your spot that will make you triggered. And that's something to keep in mind too, is that, you know, when like I know him and I knew what he was, but after being with him that long, he knew who I was too. Wow. You know, and he still knew how to get to me. So I've been doing this forever. Dolores. I've never even thought of that. That's brilliant. I just, I know my mind just got blown too. I'm like, wow, that's like, that's her. <laughs> and, and he knew, yeah, and he knew my girls were my heart. So, like, so we had like joint legal decision making, but I, he never really practiced it unless he was like trying to like exert his power, you know. But um, now, though, like I said, now that my girls are older, the younger two that I have, they're seventeen and twelve, and they like recently told him like we don't want to go over there. And I'm like, and when he tries to tell them like, oh, but you have to. And I like, I've told them like, tell him to take me back to court. I dare him. Right. Because <laughs> he's never done anything for the girls. He doesn't pay child support. He doesn't. Wow. I've, I've raised them pretty much on my own with the support of my parents for the last almost 12 years. You know, I just want to, sorry, we're both, we both have so much to say. I'll just say yeah, this. I was just thinking that it's okay that your parents help you. I just oh, want to say that really. Yes. Yes. Yeah, sure. Being a from what I've learned, being a single mom, it, they're like the lowest paid wage mm-hmm. in the country. Right. Um, my parents so, helped me too. Yeah. But like, I, I do want to say like, you know, we've known each other, what, nine years now? Yeah. You always talk about your girls. You're always. <laughs> and that's just, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not like saying there's not times you, you don't want to just be like, ah, you know, and <laughs> get out of my face. Yes. I'm not, I'm not like, you know. 
y'all have your own problems, but that the way you talk about them and the way you light up and you're just how much you care about them. Like it's so obvious how much you love those kids. Absolutely. I I don't know if anybody's ever said that to you, but I hope they have because you, you know, your, your kids are amazing because you've done the work. Yeah. Not him. You well, are somebody who I don't I don't I don't know if this is okay to say and if it's not I can delete it but um through where Dolores works with people was so listeners know that's how Michelle and I met initially for on the mm-hmm. phone before <laughs> yeah 10 years maybe. ago and then we met again but but this this current husband that I'm going with Dolores and I were because Michelle and I are friends I was matched with Dolores and Dolores, you helped me so much with your wisdom and you did talk about your girls a lot. And it was helpful because I was like talking about my kids because our, when we are going through this, whether or not you have kids, but when you have kids, there's the added layer of like, what if my kids seen, what if they gleaned yeah. from this? What if, what, 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 like there's so much. And, and I just really appreciate everything you helped me with. And I know you help so many other participants. So it's like the one, not to sound horrible, like there is no silver lining, but if there was a silver lining, it would be like, look at how much you can, you are, are able to pass on to others through like what you've been through. Hey, I've been surrounded by strong people and you are also one of them. And I've like enjoyed our conversations and things that you and I have talked about. And you know what? It's just, that's the thing, right? Is that nobody's exempt and nobody is above this. Nobody's immune to it. Like yeah. there's, there's nothing out there because I'll tell you what, I work where I work. I do what I do. And it doesn't mean that the next person that I encounter, I'm not going to be in a similar situation again. Can we have you on for a part two? Because I would yes. love to also hear about your like overcoming part of like, the tools that you've used to heal yourself to like where you are today. Cause I think that's super important. So like, yeah. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Dolores. We are so grateful that you came on and we will listeners, we will definitely have a Dolores part two. So please stay tuned for that. And as always, we like to share the national domestic violence hotline phone number if you need to speak to somebody or just ask questions, just it's all confidential. You can call 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. They are open and available to speak with you 24 hours a day confidentially. Dolores, thank you again. And we will see you guys back for part two.